Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed. In this season, you're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois. And you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. Jump into God's word. Uh, My name is Bobby. I'm one of the volunteers here. I serve in a variety of different ways. Usually I'm downstairs. Um, I've done good enough that they let me up here now. So uh, no, just joking. I love Good News Kids. I uh, love being able to teach. One time I was teaching there, and at one point it was just like all nine kids had their hands raised. And I was like, all right, let's just like pause David and Goliath for a second. We just went through. One kid had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> one girl wanted to say that she was like going to a block party that day. Just wanted to make sure everybody knew. So all that to say, you're not going to distract me. If you got to leave, that's totally okay. Um, let me pray for us. And when I say, man, we're going to jump into uh, the book of Second Peter where we've been. But would you bow with me? Let's pray one more time. Lord, we are so thankful for uh, this place and what this place is and what this place means to us. And just to reflect on what we've already sung, Lord. You are good. There's never been a moment where you're not good. And we just want to reflect on that in comparison to ourselves, Lord. And how often could we be described in a variety of different ways, God? We've probably come into this room in a lot of different ways, but Lord, you are always and forever who you are. We're not worried that we caught you on a bad morning. And we're so thankful for your consistency, Lord Jesus. So be that for us this morning. Speak to us now from your word, Lord. We pray this in your name. All God's people said, amen. So we're continuing through 2 Peter. Uh, This series called Get Rich Quick. As the world uh, prioritizes the idea of accumulation, we're looking to God's word and we're finding that God has uh, a way to enrich us that is so unlike what the world has. So grab uh, a Bible in front of you or on your phone. I think it's gonna really help if you're seeing this. We're just gonna go through a short passage here at the beginning. I titled the message, Halftime Speech. So it helps to know when you open the Bible what you're opening to. If you have ever been like, felt convicted of like, man, I need to read more, and you get home and you open up to the very beginning of the Bible and you're in Genesis, it is, dense. It is law. It's very historic. That's what you're opening to if you open up to the beginning. There's so much good in that. If you open up to the uh, middle of the Bible and you find yourself in the book of Psalm, it's, we heard from that this morning, as Stephen has shared, to open up service, it's poetic, it's emotion, it's beautiful, it's illustrative. When you open up to 2 Peter, the most, uh, the closest thing I can connect it to in my mind takes me back to 2000. I went to high school in Houston, Texas, and I played football. And we went up, traveled to Dallas to play this team. And uh, the first half was awful. We were so bad. And the team was bigger, and they were stronger, and they were more athletic. And there we were, halftime. We're in this locker room that they set up for us. And um, Coach Harmeyer, he wasn't good at a lot of things. He was good at halftime speeches. And it was passionate, and it was inspiring. And man, we went into the locker room feeling defeated, 
and just wanted to give up. And we left that locker room motivated. Um, the reality of the story is that we got crushed, right? It didn't help. Um, just being honest with you, it was a, it was a terrible day. But, but if you understand the halftime speech and what that is, then you understand where we're at in 2 Peter chapter 3. This is the apostle Peter. This is, was with Jesus, part of the 12, in the inner three. And here he is. He's already written one letter. And we see in the beginning of 1 Peter chapter 1, he's writing to what he calls a, uh, those part of the dispersion. And in the early world, the Christians, they were dispersed in a lot of different ways, typically because of persecution, and they were feeling defeated and alone and on an island, and they wanted to give up. They want, it would be a lot easier to just give in. That's what they're feeling. And here is the Apostle Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing the last chapter he will ever write. And here it is. If you get, if you get that halftime speech, that's where he's at. That's the tone of this. And so we're going to go through these first three verses of 2 Peter chapter 3. And what we'll see here is just three reminders of how to finish well. His love and compassion. You can't just FaceTime with him real quick. You can't just like jump on a you know, get away quick Southwest Rapids rewards flight and pop over real quick and see them. And here he is, everything he's got pouring to these believers that he loves for them to finish well. And here's the first one. You could jot this down. Anchor yourself with a position of vulnerability. You'll see where I get that in verse one. It says there in verse one, it says, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved, in both of them. I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. You can see this not too common phrase there, sincere mind, but Peter's notice it's his first charge for them to stay on track, to keep going, is a move to sincerity and vulnerability. And it's pretty amazing. One of the things that just amazes me about God's word, this was written about 2,000 years ago. And it's fairly incredible that we still, we don't dress like them, we don't talk like them, they never had a Twitter account, they have never saw a screen, and yet the struggle is the same of trying to convince everyone and even God, I'm okay, I'm okay, I got it, I got it. And when you're heavy, when you're struggling, when you're feeling stressed, doesn't it make it like a thousand times worse when you feel the weight also of having to convince everybody that you got it, you're okay, it's not too much for you? And I hope that if you're in that place, that you're able to just hear it so clearly here, you don't have to do that here. If we're going to get to the place where you're not doing that out there, we for sure can't do that here. And mostly it's imperative that we don't do that. So Peter here, even before he gets to the, here's some things to do so that you stay strong, so that you have the strength to continue, so that you can finish well. Before he gets to the doing thing, he says, I'm stirring up your sincere mind. Not, I'm not speaking to what you think you could be someday. I'm not speaking to what you convince everybody else that you are. I'm speaking right to you where you are right now. So here's a question that I think could be pretty convicting. When you're here, when you're in this room, 
on Sunday morning or in an environment like this? Are you able to, maybe when you're at home alone, when you're taking a walk in prayer, whatever, however your relationship with God exists and when it exists, are you able to just lay it all out before the Lord? Just think for a moment, when was the last time you just laid it all out before the Lord? Those sin issues, those lingering passions. When's the last time that you and the Lord, that that was the subject? And it's beautiful. This is where Peter goes to first, that thing. And too often we brush over the subject matter that God wants to work through because we feel shamed. We don't want to think about it. We, we're like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with that. I'm not, that's not going to be a problem anymore. I don't have to bring that to the Lord. I'm going to take care of that. And then, we, and then I'll feel good about moving on. And that's just, that is a bad plan. I remember being five years old and uh, I lived in New York and we lived on Gregory Drive. And I remember I was in the, we had somewhat of a finished basement. I had this baseball that was kind of one of those like rubbery ones a little bit. And I was just, I don't know, being an idiot, whipping it around in my basement. And I remember, I mean, you know what it's like, those memories as a kid. I remember looking at this wall, and I threw it at the wall, and it went through the drywall. And I was like five years old. I had no understanding of like building, you know, materials. I thought I had like broken the fabric of the universe. I thought, like, I looked into that hole like it was, I had found another dimension. I was just like, I was so, so freaked out standing. I can't imagine how long I just stood there six feet away from this wall looking at this hole. And I must have made a noise because my mom was like, and she heard me scream a lot probably, so she didn't get up and run to me. But she was like, what is it? My mom was really smart because she knew that if I didn't answer, it might be a problem. And she's like, what is it, Bobby? And I'm, I'm standing there looking at this hole. And I run when I hear her start coming, and I meet her this doorway, and I'm like, and I, I, I mean, I'm standing, I broke our home, is what's in my mind. And so I, I, she knew something was wrong, she could tell, and I knew that she could tell, and so I told her that, like, I opened the door to the garage, which was right there, and I was like, I, I, and I went to my bike, and I told her, my reflector on my bike is broken, which had been broken for a long, I don't, like, and she just looked at me like, are you, what, I'm not dumb, like, what happened? And then I think I came up with like one or two other things and my mom's just like, what happened? And then finally, there we go to that wall and I just stood there and I was like, I broke our home, mom. I don't like just looking at this, I had no idea what to do. And, and it would be a lot funnier if that in us stopped as kids. But it continues. And too often we're like that with the Lord. And Peter is reminding them as he speaks to them, wanting to give up, wanting to give in, probably haven't given in in a lot of ways. He's writing to them saying, I'm writing to you to stir up your sincere mind where you are right now. Your mistakes, your flaws, the messes that you've made. That's before we get to doing things, we got to get there. I wrote this down. We can't have much with God if we aren't first willing to be sincere. Our hands so quickly grasp those sin problems, unwilling to let them out into the open. 
because we're going to take care of it. And I just hope if you've come into this place feeling exhausted of yet another week of failing in the ways that you failed, that you could just know, listen, you're in a room with messes. Okay? It may not look like it, but we strive for this place to be a place and the Lord wants to speak to us right where we are. And the things you're trying to hide, the place you don't want to bring the Lord to show him what you did, the Lord knows and he just wants you to know just be free from that. You can walk right to that mess. You can call it what it is. And just like what we sang this morning, he is good. It's beautiful that Peter brings him to that place. I'm writing to you to stir up your sincere mind. And the halftime speech continues. First, it's let's, let's get real. Okay, let's get real. That was a bad first half, right? And then he gets to this. You could jot this down. Direct yourself with a deeper knowledge of God's word. So he writes here, he continues in verse two, he says that you should, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder, verse two, that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So for those of you interested in kind of the dynamics of scripture and some of the behind the scenes, it's pretty amazing. What verse two is saying is fairly amazing in that Peter's showing us his own understanding of what he's writing and the authority with which he's writing is not his own, much higher than his own, but is scripture. He speaks to the, remember the predictions of the prophets, that's the Old Testament. And this is a pretty amazing age of Christianity. This isn't, they, they weren't gathering together saying, hey, let's open up to Second Peter. They like got the letter in the mail. This is the creation of scripture. So he speaks, remember the predictions of the holy prophets, that's the Old Testament, and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. The word apostle is something that we wouldn't use anymore. Now there are some circles of believers who use the word apostle and we don't like getting fights about it, but we would hold to the tradition that an apostle is someone who saw the risen Lord and was commissioned by them. And they moved with a power and with authority to prove their authority was not their own, but was from the Lord. And Peter was a part of this and Paul was an apostle and they're writing scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit. But his message to the believer who's struggling, wanting to give in, wanting to fit in, is to remember the things that you know. He's saying you have available what you need. So just, just stop there for a bit. Wherever The mess that you've walked in with. If you're able to get to the place where you can lay it out before the Lord, the Lord is saying, I've got exactly what you need for that. You don't have to go into this world looking for it. You don't have to scour up your own strength to somehow get enough so that you can overcome it. I have given you what you need. It was beautiful. One morning in Good News Kids, uh, just a few weeks ago, we were sitting down there, we were talking about wisdom. And a lot of times I'll be like, so what do you think of when you think of the word wisdom? And it's awesome to, you know, to hear the crazy stuff that kids say down there. And they were like, is smart and intelligent and stuff. So we played this game. If, if the stove is hot, what would wisdom say? You know, and they're like, um, don't touch it. 
Okay, ding, 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 winner. If I've got a test on Friday morning, wisdom, what would wisdom say? You know, go to bed early. Well, none of them said that, but that was the right answer. Uh, study, I should study for it, I should take note, whatever it was, you should do that. Yeah, that's right. And I said this, we were right down, like literally right, right there. We're sitting in this circle, and I said, if the Bible is trustworthy and is from God, what would wisdom say? One of the boys was sitting uh, right to my right, and his eyes, remember when you like knew the answer in school? Like your eyes got kind of big, his eyes got kind of big, and he was like, I mean, just like, well, then I guess we should read it and do whatever it says. And I was just like, I was just, just pause there for a bit. God wrote a book. Lovingly, perfectly preserved for us, he wrote a book. Knowing that you're a mess, knowing what you would walk through, I mean, it is... What a beautiful picture. We should just read it and do whatever it says. Now, for sure, easier said than done in some ways and the complications of the things we get ourselves into. But I've said before, you know, if you don't know what to do, just do what you know to do. And what a perfect place that God has provided for us to just sit and just be like, this is a, this is a mess, God. And Peter's like, you know this, you know this. You've got some things stored up. You've been taught this. Reflect on those things that you know. It's so beautiful. But it's not just the reading of it. I mean, how many Christians would sit in a room and be like, yeah, I should read my Bible more. I know, and I should pray. And enough with like the commitments of it, but just how I worded it there, that direct yourself on a trajectory where you're deepening your understanding of what this says. And the test is, The test of a mature understanding of God's word is when you see it playing out in your life. So if you're reading it, if you're studying, I'm just telling you, it is next level when you start to see the things that you're reading and studying play out. I just jotted down a few verses that um, have really meant a lot to me. 1 Timothy 6.6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. If you're armed with that, do you know how many times the world is going to try to pull you off track that you're going to be able to navigate right through if you're just remembering and steadfast in the way to contentment isn't more? That's what the world said. I mean, I felt like really cool when I got an iPhone 14. It was like four months ago. And then I'm like sitting there, it's like our best ever, titanium. I'm like, what? My, God, my phone sucks. That's the world. It's, there's going to be something else that you're going after, and the world's going to get you to buy in, and they're going to make you feel bad for having it in six months. And you need the next thing and the next thing. And if you're armed with godliness plus contentment, the being fulfilled and satisfied with what God has given you, that is great gain. That's what the Lord says. Here's one. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition, but with humility, consider others more significant than yourselves. You know how much anger you'd be able to slip past? You know how many annoyances you would be able to slip past? If you lower yourself and in humility, consider others more significant than yourselves and position yourself in a place where God will raise you up and you don't have to do it yourself. I mean, it is 
This is what Peter's driving them towards. You know these things. You know these things. Don't give up. Finish well. We've got this. Remember those things. To stir up your sincere mind. Don't, be, don't try to be to the Lord what you convince others, what you wish. You are right where you are, and you can be that. And then to have a deepening understanding of God's word. And then here's the third one. You can see it in the third verse. Prepare yourself with a resilient faith. Prepare yourself for the resilient faith. He says, verse 3, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days. I like this. Scoffers will come in the last days. Well, what are they going to bring? It says, with scoffing. That's what scoffers do. They scoff. Scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Scoffing uh, defined as contemptuous ridicule or mockery. Now, the types of persecutions for believers all over the world through all the ages has ranged in a lot of different ways. But this is one that's pretty consistent. In different cultures at different times and different everything, this idea of scoffing, of mockery, of ridicule, and not in any way to downplay the difficulty, the horror of physical persecution that is on the rise and is existing In regards to the damaging effect on believers, this idea of ridicule and mockery towards those desiring to live a biblical life is extremely effective. But we should understand the mockery that we exist in isn't so much scoffing against the name of Jesus. We don't really see a lot. Jesus is dumb. You don't, that, that, that is around. That's not really what we face a lot. What exists in our culture is a scoffing of the ways of the Lord. The decisions that believers are called to make are being scoffed at. Take just those verses that we just hit, 1 Timothy 6.6. Godliness plus contentment is great gain. The world scoffs at that idea. That you would be content, that you would think you have enough, Philippians 2.3, consider others more significant than yourselves. The world scoffs at that. Ephesians tells us in chapter 4, forgive others as you've been forgiven. Our world would say that that's a dangerous definition of forgiveness. That you would forgive as Christ has forgiven you. How did Christ forgive you? Did you have to pay him back? Did you have to make it right with him before he, before he was okay with you? And we're called to forgive like that. And we've got to be ready. Do you see how it's like, there's sort of like the building blocks here. It's like the sincerity, we get ourselves low. I'm stirring you, stirring up your sincere mind. If you can get to a place where you're humble before the Lord, where you're vulnerable, where your mess is just laid out before the Lord, and then step into a deepening understanding of what God's response to those things are, what is created in you is a resilient faith that can go out into a scoffing world. It's so beautiful, this halftime speech, and it's so much better than Coach Harmeyer's back in 2000. But I do want to close with just this understanding of looking at this, the illustration of a halftime speech does get, I do believe it gets the tone right, 
of what Second Peter chapter 3, we'll get into next week, all the, the ways in which the world is scoffing and what they're saying. But the idea of the halftime speech is helpful in tone and purpose, but there's one part of that illustration that is drastically, drastically lacking. Coach Harmeyer gave us that halftime speech, and we were fired up, and we were ready to go, but I had to go out on the field by myself. Coach Harmeyer gave the speech, and then, I don't know, he wasn't wearing pads. And that probably made it a lot easier for him to be motivated. If I had given the halftime speech, I would have been like, y'all, I don't know, y'all want to go home? This stinks. We're going to lose, y'all. And how beautiful is it that the, the spirit of the Lord and his word isn't to inspire us and motivate us and then be like, all right, y'all, see you next week. He goes with us. We, when Jesus gave his great commission, he ends it with, and I am with you till the end of the age. He is with us. He is with us. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray over us, and we're going to close with this song that we sang, but the idea here is insincerity. When I lay myself down before the Lord, when I lay out my mess, we're just going to have practical application. Step one, right here, right now. Here's the good news. You don't, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. I'm not going to ask you. No one's going to ask you, but I just want to emphatically urge you, right? Maybe, you, maybe it's been quite some time before you've had a sincere moment with the Lord, but that you could just be where you are and just lay your mess out before the Lord. Just call it. You don't have to say it out loud, but just in your mind, just speak it out to the Lord. Lord, this is me. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm still struggling with. This is what I'm still embarrassed to admit, God. This is still where I am. And just watch, watch what the Holy Spirit speaks to you in that moment. And when you lay yourself down, when you humble yourself, when you take yourself out of, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. When you just say to the Lord, I'm a mess, you see magnified his goodness, his generation after generation after generation goodness. Lord Jesus, we're going to sing this to you, God, and I pray that the prayers in this room would be one, ones of sincerity, God, that you would just find us not ashamed, not running from our messes, but laying them out before you because, Jesus, they are paid for. They are covered by your blood. And, God, as we lay out who we are and what we're struggling with and what we're falling over still, God, we look upon your goodness and your mercy and your grace and your strength and Lord Jesus, you are good. So just here in this place, hear the whispers of our hearts just speaking this truth, God. God, we're a mess, but you are good. And we thank you, Lord. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is good news.